This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. Well, what happened? We have dead air. <laughs> I was trying to think of something witty to say, and then I just went... This is how the show starts. I look at Nikki. I say, are you ready? She says, yeah. I press record. Complete silence. Because you usually never let me lead an episode, so I, like, I always have to be like, oh, is he allowing me to speak first? As the statistician of the show, I am willing to bet you have had the first word more times than you can imagine. I doubt it. Do not. And I think make everybody, me... every listener is probably like, bullshit, Tom. They're calling bullshit Listen, on your statements. Do not make me go through all 100 and wh- however God many shows <laughs> we're up to right now and count all of them to see how many you open compared to me. I actually think I, th- I think that the busy work would do you some good. I don't have the energy for that. That's your problem. Well, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Right out of the gate, the Bickersons have returned for another week, another episode. Yes. So fully recovered now from our 420 extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) Fully, fully, fully recovered. But are we ever really fully recovered? No, man. No. It's it's called the cycle of life. It's just (laughs) what it is. I think it's called the day that ends in Y. (laughs) That's it. So um, I got to say... As unproductive as we probably should have been over the last couple of weeks, um, we actually (laughs) did have a chance to get out and see Lucky Chick last night. We did. You'll recall that we had Lucky Chick on two weeks ago, Felicity Seidel, whose one-woman show, Lucky Chick, is playing at the Paradise Factory on East 4th Street here in New York City. Mm -hmm. And it's about her life of wildness and growing up on the streets of New York to, you know, being plucked at a dead show out of the audience. Um, in Alaska to, you know, going to John Perry Barlow's ranch out west and just living off the land and bailing hay. And I mean, it was just such a great story. It was such a great, like you could, it, it was mesmerizing to hear her talk about her life on, you know, just co- like surviving this life that she did for herself. And the crazy part about it was before we had went to the show, we were talking about like old New York for like almost the past week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, only I, the only parts I knew about the show was the parts that we had discussed on our show. Right. So when we got there, the show opens up with, first of all, the coolest music. Like right. seriously, I mean, the it's coolest, music. coolest music. It's right? the music of our youth. And it's just like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like you're so pumped up because you're like, I'm with my people. Like this is a story of like, it's almost like our coming of age story, except not as cool as what Felicity's <laughs> coming of age story was. Yeah. You, I was going to say. Me my sheltered white bread America. It's almost as cool as you walking your dog in the woods, <laughs> sometimes past 11 o'clock at night. It's It's comparable. It's comparable. We all get wild in our own ways. <laughs> well, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, she probably had mushrooms. You probably kicked some by accident maybe, in your walks. Maybe, we Who knows? Ma- maybe I went m- mushroom picking. I don't know. Yeah. 
Oh, my God. No, no, no. That, that isn't your thing. But seriously, though, fantastic, fantastic show. And after it, we had a chance to meet with Felicity. We did. And I still want to be BFFs with her, for sure. <laughs> Where we told her, anytime she wants, she's more than welcome to come Absolutely. back on the show. And that definitely is an open invitation absolutely we have a lot of new york that we need to talk about with you <laughs> yeah in fact once we left the show we started talking about like huh you know it'd be kind of cool to talk to her about like because yeah, once you see the show it kind of right. you can branch it out into different things and stuff and um i don't know man it just seemed like she just kind of seemed like one of us so really she really was she's just so effervescent and you have to have to have to go see the show which is playing at um it's playing through may at uh, the paradise factory and you definitely take it from us we're experts on things that are fun yes because <laughs> we ain't going out no. for anything that's not no fun. no we don't do a lot of stuff so we make sure that when we do stuff it's good stuff and this is definitely among the best things that we've done in a really long time yes and if you're gonna do it definitely follow it up with a short walk to murray's cheese and get yourself some cheese curds there oh my God, because yes. that's what we did after the show we actually had a oh, date night oh. we had a we had a date night for the first time in like in like two months, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. And how was the follow up on that date night? <laughs> and we've be been rebuilding ourselves ever since. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like between the two of us, you cannot even get a single one good person. <laughs> and I'm not saying excellent. I'm just being like middle of the road good. But that's the price you pay when, you know, you, you've got a chronic issue and you want to also have a normal life and you know a normal active life but guess what we'll get to that after this week's you heard tom well played we call that a segue in the biz <laughs> This week's You Heard actually comes to us from said date night, aforementioned date night, because after we went to Murray's Cheese, we went to Rocco's Bakery right across on Bleecker Street, because we can't find ourselves on Bleecker Street and not go either to Cones for ice cream or to Rocco's for a Napoleon mm -hmm. and a Rum Baba, which I will tell you, got me a little bit drunk last night when I ate it. <laughs> well, you were in good company because I was high as a fucking kite when I was eating my Napoleon, so. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a lost Saturday yeah. night after. <laughs> That's how some people recover, bitch. It's just what it is. So anyways, as we were checking out at Rocco's on a busy Friday night, I overheard the a group of four in front of us say mm -hmm. what the a gentleman in this group of four it was two couples said to the other group he said he looked like babe ruth if he had cancer ew what the hell does that even mean like i don't think saying to anyone that you look like babe ruth is a compliment in any way cancer or not listen if you look like babe ruth who has cancer you can just way more easily describe that as he looks like Uncle Fester. 
because you literally just described Uncle, Uncle Fester, Fester instead of just taking the long fucking route. Here's a player who played in 1908 or whatever the hell it was, as opposed to somebody who was only on TV 40 years ago. You have a better shot. You have a better shot of hitting your audience with the more updated reference. What the hell, man? Right? But, I mean, like, that just goes to tell you. I mean, that Babe Ruth is still a pretty important figure in history. I guess so. Like, but... is he still, like, like, does he still have records? I mean, I don't know a shitting thing about baseball. I hate baseball. As we've known. We know. We've been over this. Before. Unless it's Brockmire. Unless it's Brockmire. Because, like. Or unless it's Always Sunny, the Boss Hogs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the yeah. Wade Boggs record. The Wade Boggs record. And, you know, with and, and Max Love Affair with Chase Utley. That's the only baseball that, like, yeah. I have. Because who has the fucking time to watch a baseball game? Like, I'm sorry. Only one person can play at a time. That's the problem with it. It's either the guy throwing the ball. And then a ball finally reaches another guy who catches it. <laughs> Maybe another guy hits it, and then some other people can play. Oh, I'm bored already. And, exactly. And I think it's maybe time that we just bring an end to this week's year because it was not about baseball in any way. <laughs> but we bored ourselves to a conclusion of it, so let's just move along, okay? Move along, donkey. So now that the donkey has moved along, we actually have an interview this week with Jim Curtis, who is the director at Remedy Health Media. Jim, like Tom, has a chronic illness that's unlike Tom, undiagnosed. He just has a lot of issues that he's been suffering with for the better part of two decades. He, Because of it, he's, he lives with chronic pain. He has a pronounced limp. And, you know, he's... He works for this this company called Remedy, which is basically the anti-WebMD. Like, you know how people always Google, I feel this, and then they get the WebMD, and then it's like, oh my God, I have like some kind of thing that needs to be amputated. Like, we just like, you know how it like intensifies to like, you get so crazy. I don't even, I, I can't, I hate WebMD yeah, so like, much. Yeah, like, I don't search anything. I don't do anything. If I don't feel, if I feel something, I'm like, if I can't take a pill for it, it, it just, guys, sweep it under the carpet. That's, that's my way of working out things. Mm. But Remedy Health Media attracts 35 million people each month, and they're basically, they cover, you know, post-diagnosis. So, you know, talking about what, you know, people are, are dealing with and, you know, things like that. So they're the number one publisher for this kind of health content. Right. So Jim came on the show because I thought he'd be a perfect fit for, you know, kind of just giving us like a second opinion and kind of talking about what somebody else who has a chronic issue like you. A little matchmaking. Little matchmaking. I did a little matchmaking. I yeah. did. I did. Cupid of the uh Cupid of the uh falling apart, basically, <laughs> is what you are doing. Okay. Pretty much, pretty much. Well done. <laughs> but Jim is gonna talk to us a little bit about, you know, what he's been going through, you know, kind of the things that he suffered. Um and then he's also going to just talk about the things that, you know, dealing with this chronic illness, because he has a very demanding job with Remedy Health Media. He doesn't work from home. He still travels. He still has, you know, things that he has to do, and he has to do them from his office. So he talks to us about kind of living with this chronic pain without the comfort that you have of being able to, you know, work out working from home for yourself. 
And then he talks about some things that kind of help him stay calm because everything that he's been through, he's like, nothing stresses me out now because he's been through such horrible things with his health that he's just like thankful for moments. And it's just so he walks us through kind of what it's like to make a good life for yourself within this bubble of kind of pain that you're constantly living with. So without further ado, let's see what Jim has to say. All right. You want to roll that? You could say it. Fabulous bean footage. I mouthed it with him. I know. <laughs> and you were dead on timing wise too. Thank you so much for coming on the High Regard Show today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, let's start um, by, you know, kind of going back a little bit and discussing the cro- your chronic health issues. You know, how long has, you know, this been kind of part of your life and, you know, what sort of things do you suffer from? Well, it's been part of my life for about 20 years, um, sometimes worse, sometimes better. And although it's undiagnosed, it has a lot of the same issues as any neurological dysfunction like a spinal cord injury or even MS. And so what I suffer from is um, I, I walk with a limp because I have some paralysis in my right foot, so I have a foot drop, and I have numbness in my legs and muscle spasticity, which is um, bad spasms of the muscles. Sure. And, um, you know, basically those, those types of things that make it painful uh, in the body and, and uh, hard to walk. Right. Sure, I can imagine. Um, you know, how many tests? would you kind of estimate that you've had over, you know, the past two decades? So many tests. I was at every <laughs> hospital from the Cleveland Clinic to the Mayo Clinic to Johns Hopkins, everywhere trying to figure out what it was and what I could do, all the way to, you know, um, tests with holistic uh, Ecuadorian shaman. Sure. Um, everything you can think of. I, I, I have always stayed open to uh, looking at everything. Right. And, and you know, like – there's nothing to kind of pinpoint what it could possibly be? It was probably a virus or something that went through and created some damage on my spinal cord and um, and the thoracic spine. So okay. uh, what the cause of that has not been identified, but we know now that it's the myopathy of the spinal cord, which is, you know, a, a damage to um, some nerves. Okay. And, you know, the, the not knowing, um, you know, and we'll speak a little bit to this because um, I know Stephen kind of explained a little bit about our situation, um, you know, with my co-host's health issues that we can get into a little bit later. But, you know, how stressful, you know, was it to kind of come to terms with the fact that, like, hey, this is wrong with me and we're never really going to know if I'm going to get better or, you know, what exactly this is or where it came from? You know, how, how did you kind of overcome that? need a real sense of calmness, honestly. I mean, in the beginning when um, symptoms are starting to progress really rapidly and one day your foot's numb and the next, like, next month your legs are numb and the pain kicks in and now you're feeling sick or you're slowly not being able to walk, uh, that is a super anxious time. I always say people um, like to have a, a – like to call their condition by a name. Everybody loves to have a name for sure. what they're suffering from. It's really easy to say, I have cancer, I have MS. It, it, those are hard things to deal with, but at least you know what it is and the, what you should do to treat it. When you don't right. know, 
When you don't know, it creates a lot of anxiety. You know, as humans, we want certainty. You know, certainty <laughs> is comfortable. Uncertainty is not. So you really have to um, learn to be calm and take things as they come and say, I- I'm going to either overcome this or live with this, and, and I'm going to go on. Right, absolutely. And do you, when you wake up, like, do you know if today's going to be a good day? Do you, like, you get that kind of, like, warning that today might be a bad day? I know, I know at night when I'm sleeping. So muscle spasms, spasticity is the type of thing where um, it, it affects your, your sleep. Uh, so if you have muscle spasms throughout the night, you never get deep REM sleep. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I know, I know. I wake up like super <laughs> exhausted or wake up with such tight muscles that I, that walking is difficult, it's hard to get the dog out type of thing. Right, um, so, sure. Uh, yeah, some days are great, some days aren't. Right, of course, I, I can imagine. And, you know, how do you kind of like, how, how do you work? I mean, I know that Tom, my co-host, um, luckily he can work from home because of his condition. And, you know, he has that option of just he stays home and he stays home with the dog who helps get him outside and get exercise and stuff. But, like, is you is your, um, you know, your work with um, Remedy Health, you know, is that something that you have to be in the office for all the time? Yes, I have to be in the office all the time. And not only that. Throughout my career, I was in uh, sales. So for the first 10 years, I was expected to travel three or four oh, days geez. a week. So uh, it'd be really hard to have a meeting uh, in uh, Minnesota and have to fly into St. Paul and um, and walk through the airport, which was, I can remember, the airports in the Midwest specifically are so big that you'd be walking yeah. miles just to get to the exit. And I'd be like, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to do it? It was a test of will. Um, When I got older and a little bit more, um, a little bit uh, more senior in my roles, if you know, I'd come in later. I'd uh, I'd make sure I worked at a at a job that um, understood the human side of of the workforce and would be okay with me coming in later if I needed to. Right, great. And, you know, how has the illness that you've had kind of helped you, you know, navigate with through your, you know, your, your duties with Remedy Health? You know, how has that kind of informed or inspired the work that you do with Remedy? Well, it's given me a lot of empathy. Uh, I, as a patient, know what uh, other patients are going through. So as we mm-hmm. create document, documentary films and other things about um, triumphs and struggles of patients, I, I, I have a real keen insight into that. Uh, I also thought of um, a series that we call Live Bold, Live Now that chronicles people um, that um, are suffering from chronic illnesses but living tremendously awesome lives. So mm-hmm. that, that became a really great product. So it's helped me create products. It's helped me understand the people that I work with and um, the people that we service better. But also it's given me a tremendous amount of grit in the office place um, and just with a business that you have to work really hard at. You know, like if I can overcome um, if I can overcome my issues, then I can overcome issues at work. And lastly, what it's really given me is a sense of um, calmness, meaning nothing can stress me out. Uh, I mean, of course I feel stressed, but – Nothing can really stress me out to the point of where I lose my, my mind in either stress or anger and anxiety. Right. I've been through it. I've, you know, it's taught me. It's been the ultimate guru. 
Right, I can imagine. <laughs> and, you know, the company has been described as the anti-WebMD. You know, can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So I, I helped create, uh, you know, I was an early member of the, of the Health Beyond WebMD team. Um, and uh, so I got had the good fortune of working at WebMD for about seven years. And what um, what we're able to do at WebMD is create a real encyclopedia of information uh, about your health. And so as you go online, say you have a rash on your arm and you go to Google and you type in the word rash, 70 million results will come up. WebMD may be first. Uh, you'll, sure. you'll identify what rash you could possibly have from all the scary things on WebMD. And then uh, <laughs> eventually you'll go to your dermatologist. You'll get a cream. The rash will go away. Uh, and you will go back to your normal habits. So, um, yeah. WebMD has also, you know, been a lifesaver in some ways when people go and say, oh, my God, maybe I'm having a heart attack, and they are. But it's right. very um, episodic, diagnostic. And we do things very differently. It's more of a storytelling. It's emotional mm-hmm. connection. It's not episodic. It's dealing with people with chronic conditions over time. Okay. Okay, great. And, you know, getting to uh, Tom's, you know, issue, he has something called – POT syndrome. Um, you know, what, if anything, do you, you know, know about that in your experience, you know, in the healthcare field over the last couple of decades? I don't know much about POT syndrome. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, he, he discovered it. It had happened. Um, he started kind of like blacking out and, and things, and he had two major surgeries back-to-back, um, you know, uh, over the span of maybe like five months before his body could recover from the one, he had to have another surgery, and then a few weeks later have another one, and it's kind of really wrecked havoc on his system. And, you know, it's been hard for us to kind of deal with coming to terms with, you know, the fact that he has to work from home now because he could black out at any time. So he can't, you know, travel through the city because, God forbid, he gets on the subway platform and has an episode and then can't, you know, falls onto a train track or something like that. So, yeah, it's just it's this syndrome that's really kind of growing, not in popularity, but in diagnosis. Like people are starting to talk about it more because it's been misdiagnosed for many years. Mm-hmm. So I was just interested to see if you know if it's you know kind of reached the level of actually being covered by a lot of people because we're talking about it on our podcast because it's something that we're going through, you know, and we've been going through for for the past like year now. So I was just interested to see if you know there was anything that you knew about it. Um, not that I know of. I mean, it sounds like something that would create a tremendous amount of um, hesitancy and fear in life. You know, if if you're always worried about uh, passing out, um, and it sounds like you're going to need a lot of a lot of planning, just so yeah. you don't um, you don't become a hermit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and uh, sounds like something uh, we have not covered it at Remedy. But I'm not sure at WebMD or other places. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, and that was the thing, too. Um, he went to the Mayo Clinic, and, you know, because he kind of was a hermit, there would be weeks where he wouldn't leave the house. So he went to the Mayo Clinic where they actually are kind of at the forefront of diagnosing this and, you know, making sure that people understand, like, it's not just depression. It's, it's Because the symptoms are very similar. A lot of the symptoms are very similar to depression and a lot of other, you know, disorders and things. So it's been kind of, you know, it's been kind of interesting. Um, they suggested we get a dog so that he can actually get out of the house and get exercise because that's one way to kind of offset this. Because what happens is um, 
like the blood flow, your, your blood doesn't flow properly. So, you know, you, your muscles don't work, you're, you get lightheaded and things like that. So he's been able to get out of the house a little more, but I mean, he has bad days, like really bad days, and then he has like really good days. So, you know, for people who are going through something like you went through, like Tom is going through, you know, can you share a few tips that kind of helped you cope over the years, you know, that could help our listeners who may be going through the same things, like just, you know, three to five things that, whether it's, um, you know, yoga or something like that, like what are some things that they can do to kind of just keep themselves calm? Because you mentioned calm a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to share something that's very vulnerable that I've never shared before. Um, and, and um, you know, we work a lot with people with IBS uh, and mm-hmm. other irritable syndrome. Um, and, you know, it's so shameful because having an accident in public um, sure. is just, you know, is just the most shameful thing. And for a number of um, years, when I was going through the worst of my condition, I couldn't control my bowels at all. Uh, okay. And so I would not leave the house. I would not go for a long car ride. I would not go for right. a long walk. I would not use a restaurant. I would not go to the subway because the few times that I did have an accident was such a traumatic event. And sure, I, um, I, needed, I needed to say, what's the worst? Two things. How do I set myself up to succeed? Meaning, like, um, how can I go out and do this, knowing that the fear and anxiety that this may happen again right. uh, is there? One, how do I, how, I can't be a hermit. I, I, I'm much bigger than that. I'm much stronger than that. So how do I set myself up that if this does happen again, I'm going to be okay? And the right. second part is, um, you know, the second part is, um, you know, what, what, do I, uh, what do I do to, to uh, take down the inflammation in my body so that um, it doesn't happen again? Uh, or that it's less of a chance of happening again. So the first part was, like, I was traveling through airports. Like, uh, you, know, you know, I'd have to pack, um, you know, a totally separate change of clothes uh, or, sure. or, or plan for that. And planning is key. You can't stop. You, can't, you have to say, I got work to do here in life, and I cannot stop. So if this happens again, I'm going to protect myself so I don't fall into the tracks. So I'm going to make sure I have a dog or a friend with me, but I'm going to get right. them involved with me. Or, um, or uh, you know, something like that. And the second part is, how are you lowering the information in your brain so that it's lowering the information in your body? And that is definitely yoga and meditation. Um, and the foods that you eat, the highly anti-inflammatory packaged goods, sugar, I cut out sugar, I cut out gluten, I cut out uh, alcohol, those things that create uh, mm-hmm. in, in your body, inflame your body, and, and, and it's not just for IBS, it's for other things. And, right. and I was able to cure myself of that. So one thing, um, just to recap, don't stop based on fear. Set yourself <laughs> right. up so you're safe or, and, and that you can do it. And that, that, that means being vulnerable and asking friends to help. Two, right. Yoga and meditation will will lower the inflammation in your mind and body, and don't eat any more packaged foods for Christ's sake. <laughs> right, absolutely. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I do appreciate you, you know, kind of sharing something that you've not shared before. And you know, and finally, 
you know, kind of to that, um, you know, in that vein, you know, are there things that, you know, suggestions that you might have for family members? Like, you know how there's the suggestions of, like, what not to say at a funeral and things like this. But every time I, like, text Tom and it's like, hey, babe, how, how are you doing today? You know, the answer is never going to be, hey, I'm having a great day, you know, or it's, I'm having one of my bad days, you know. So what are some ways that, you know, you can, that, that families might be able to kind of not be annoying, but also, like, let our loved ones know that, you know, we are here, but we don't want to just keep saying, how do you feel when we know the answer is going to be not good? Right. Well, if you know the answer is not good, then you don't need to ask how you feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, like, um, you, you know, Tom wants to know that you have his back uh, mm-hmm. and that you love him despite this. Tom right. is, is feeling more than depression. He's feeling shame. And so, you know, he wants to know that um, you're thinking about it and, and, that, um, and that you support him, but it, it's not ruining your life. You're not a, he's not a burden. So what are the things that you can say to him? You know, like how about just regular things like, I, I, you know, I love you, man. I, I, right, I yeah. And, you know, and, and you know what? I know you do the same for me. So let me know when, you know, like when, when you need something and I know that, I'm, that, I'm, that I got your back and I'm looking out for right. you. You know, I used to, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword because when I couldn't walk well and I was afraid I was going to have an accident in uh, my family, I would always say, Jesus, what, you know, we live in New York City. What, why do you want to walk into Central Park? And I'm not going. Uh, and they would still go. And I'd, I'd be like, oh, God, they're going without me again. Um, right. Right. And, and, but what I realized is that people have to live their lives too. And they'd always come back with something for me, like we were thinking about you. We got you this. We got you that. So make sure that, sure that um, Tom knows that you're, you're living your life and that but you're, he's not a burden. There's nothing to be shameful about, but you love him and that you're like right there with him, right there right. with him. You don't have to say how you're doing. I know you're feeling not great. You've got a condition you're dealing with, uh, right. but, I got, but I got your back, buddy. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate that, you know, both for our listeners and, of course, you know, for myself and, you know, our family members as well. That's, that's going to be a really nice help for him I'm sure <laughs> and you know that that covers everything that I have you know is there anything else that um you know you want to cover or talk about no no that was that was um that was a that was a fun talk I wish you guys did that thank you thank you so much So what did you think? You know, not in a negative way, not in a bad way. I just want to make that perfectly clear before I say that because I know it's going to come off as sounding like, ugh. The but shame it, part, right? No. Oh, okay. It's nice to sometimes hear that other people have a sickness as a person with a sickness. <laughs> it's not meant to be mean. but the, No, the, I know what you mean. But yeah. it's kind of like, all right, you're not the only one going through it all the time. Which is the reason why we talk about it so much, because we want people to be aware, like, holy shit, you're not going through this alone. Right, absolutely. But once in a while, it's nice to be on this end and hear somebody who's actually going through very similar situations where, you know, it kind of debilitates the normal what people would say are normal everyday type of living situations. Right, right. So, no, and I mean, and it's, I think it's, it could be helpful to hear somebody talk about the things that help them cope because it's like, hey, maybe 
this one thing is something that maybe I could try and it could give me a little relief, whether it's pain relief, whether it's just a little bit of mental, because right now I think both of us are kind of like we're in our heads. Yeah. For and, sure. it's, and it's it's exhausting trying to keep everything together like it is, you know? I mean, I think we both agree with that. I think it's harder for you to keep everything together in your heads. Like, like I honestly think it's harder in your head to keep things together. In my head, I feel like it's all just volcanoes. It's very calm. <laughs> There's a blue sky. Like, just clouds are going past this beautiful mountain range. <laughs> And then some asshole will walk in front of me with their dog, not looking, and the fucking volcano will blow up, and, and it's black skies and fucking raining soot and molten lava. But see, that's that's something that you're allowing to control you. I because know. Because we get every time we go out together, whether it's with the dog walking together, whether it's trying to be a cute couple walking hand in hand down a block. Where? Exactly. Where do we go like, and do that? But like whether even when like when we have like our rare date nights, you know, it's like you're always like a step ahead because you hate being out in public. And I know that a lot of it has to do with your illness, but you were like that way before. And we've talked about your anger issues before this diagnosis of just living in the city. Like you want the city to be completely blank when you're out on the streets. Like this is Tom's city and only Tom can be in it. I think look you got to cut this population into a quarter. Oh, my God. Listen Shut to me. Up. Cut it into a quarter. I don't care who the people are here. Once that's done, you make a reservation for what street you want to walk on. If it's not going to be too crowded, you get granted access. Oh, my God. No more of okay. this bullshit people walking into you and knocking you, you around. But, yes, you're right. And I think, honestly, there is the one difference between Jim and I. First of all horrible what he's going through i can totally relate on so many levels to while he was talking but with that said i also think that like you said i was angry before moving i mean i've always been around here i do you're a volcano i do run hot and i love being left alone so like for me becoming you know like a hermit it's kind of like a blessing in a way because I would always get like a little, always have a little bit of anxious, but more anger walking through the city because people are stupid and and like, I try we don't to do what's to, right. right. I try to do what's right, <laughs> and I, and then I look around me and I see all these people doing things that are you're wrong, like and par- I just feel like I need to enforce it for one. You know what you person. are. You're like a common courtesy vigilante like that's what you are like and you need a nickname and like maybe we'll come up with one for like a later show unless like one pops up to us now but like you are seriously like just a common courtesy vigilante like you are the courtesilwa of like common courtesy like you're just out there you're not you're like berayless but you're just like still badass like i'm gonna fuck you up if you don't get off the sidewalk with your dog when i'm coming through or put your dog on a leash or walk on the right side of the sidewalk or put your phone down like, and it's all things that like are completely valid. I get mad about them too. But you, like, when it happens to you, it stays with you. Like, yeah, I get pissed, and then I get on the train, I start playing my game, I read my book, whatever. I get over it. You like lament on it, and you love that. What here's the reason why now more than ever? Because I feel like it went away for a little bit. Now it's starting to build back up again. My time is more valuable than everybody's time. <laughs> 
And here's why. Because everybody else has 24 hours in a day that can possibly be good. I get three if I'm lucky. Right. And I, okay. So my time is way less than these people. So when I just want to just take the dog for a walk, I don't want to see a dog off a leash coming at us and chasing okay. us down because it's like, now that's what I got to think about. And I only got three awake hours before I got to go back to sleep again because I'm going to pass out. Right, right. No, and I get that. And I get that. But unfortunately, Tom, mm. the world does not revolve around you. And you have to adapt your mentality to just breathe deep when you're out with the dog and enjoy the time that you're out with her and forget about other people. Yeah, I get anxious with other people when I walk her. I get there are days where I'm like, I hate walking her by myself, whether it's at night, whether it's like we go for our big long walk by the because people are stupid. But you know what? I'm enjoying the fact that I'm walking by a river with a dog that I wanted for years I ha- I've all- I've wanted a dog and you know that. So I'm just like you find the moments that you're just like just be thankful for what's right in front of you and the hell with the world that's going on around you. Mm, I try. I try but that's not you how don't. my head works. You don't. I do. My head you doesn't don't. work that way. Whatever. Pushaw. Now I know Please. that when you know when we were talking about you toward the end of the interview and mm. you know Jim mentioned, you know, like, and Tom probably feels shame. And I'm like, and I remember thinking, like, I know that, like, when I when I think about my mom, you know, my we've talked about, like, my mom has tons of chronic issues. You know, she's she's in a lot of pain all, all the time. Right. And I know that she she feels shame when, you know, she can't walk fast how she used to. Like, she's she loved this city and she can't come visit us because she can't walk a lot. And this is not a city to, like, that it's is kind. It's not easy. I've had, you know, I've had foot issues since we've moved here and it's not a kind city to people who have mobility issues. Right. You know, which is, I've done tons of stories on this at Metro. Um, but, you know, and she, and I know that she does feel embarrassed about that. Okay. And... You know, and I and I know that. So, I mean, and I think a lot of people who do have chronic issues that, you know, limit what they can and can't do. And, you know, and I think that they do feel like a sense of shame or embarrassment that they weren't the person that, you know, they were before this illness happened. And I think that that's what he meant, you know, by kind of generalizing this. But you like you bristled when when he said <laughs> when we were listening to the interview together and, you know, and he said that shame. So let's talk a little bit about that because you definitely, like, you don't feel shame. Like, there's part of me, and I'm not trying to be an asshole. But, like, you love attention. Like, you love, like, you know how they make, like, they have that myth of, like, man flu where it's like, oh, my God, a man gets the flu, and it's like, oh, he's got, like, everything. Like, nothing compares to, like, a man having the flu. Like, there is a little part of you that likes having that like attention i think and i know you're right no i could tell by your face like no honestly no because serious listen here's the thing i'm not gonna say it's embarrassment i don't know what's gonna happen when i pass out right if i get if i'm throwing up i'm 100 percent going to do it in a place where you're not around or anybody's around because it's not somebody's responsibility to clean up after me after I get sick. It's just what right. it is. So I would never 
if I could avoid it, make somebody clean up after me after I got sick. It's not embarrassment. It's just common courtesy. That's the way I see it. However, we're so different. Where you and I <laughs> really differ from it, I don't want anyone to see me falling down. Right. I wasn't saying that. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. And even like the last two days, like I've been fucking dying the last two days. Right. And I've been trying to make it as little evident as possible. I try to go for the walk. I try to go for to the store to go get some stuff. Just try to do as much normal stuff as I possibly can. Because I don't want to talk about how I feel. Right. Like, I definitely feel like I am falling the fuck apart right now. That's how I feel. But there's no other way I can explain it. So, in that instance, like, I would rather just be left completely alone right. about it. Just lay on the couch. You lay on your side of the couch. And we watch TV. And that's it. Because that's all I can possibly do. Or lay in bed and watch TV. Because that's all I can possibly do. Or smoke by the windowsill. Because that's all I ever want to do. But (laughs) seriously, at the end of the day, it's like I don't really want the attention. Like when I feel like this, I want to be left alone. If anything, when I feel good, I want the attention. Because then it's like I can take advantage of it. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because because lest we forget that like Tom has an issue. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's true. And it is because, and you've always been like that before the surgery, before any of this stuff started. And that's fine. Like I have come to terms. After the the fact. Yes. On the, on the men's side, the men's side of it. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm feeling pretty good now. What do you want to do? And you're like, I don't know. We'll do anything. And I'm like, oh, great. Then we'll watch, you know, four hours of Lost in Space because <laughs> I got you on the hook. I can get away with this tonight. <laughs> four but, hours of a lifetime thing, which is going to be a show eventually. Yeah. Which is we will 100%. Because uh, we have a little bit of an addiction to, like, all the horrible movies that are kind of awesome on. I have some lifetime. ideas for it, an idea for a show on that. But all right. don't worry. Okay. That's foreshadowing to yes. the future. <laughs> yes. But I think that, you know, right now it's, you know, I, like I said, like when I'm when I'm not feeling well, you know that. Exactly. Watch whatever you want to watch. I don't care what's on and TV. I think, and I, just I think be that I've blown. gotten, like, I think I've been picking up on it more where I'm just like, okay, like, you know, we had a little bit of a scare yesterday. You had a really, one of the worst episodes that I've seen when, you know, because I think like by the time I get home from work, like you are just so mentally and physically exhausted from like when you have your bad days and yeah and that (laughs) and that so like you know you're kind of just like like i know when you've had a bad day and i get home but when i'm with you and to see that you know it is still hard but you know i just kind of held your hand and was just like i'm not gonna push i'm not gonna just like overcompensate and i think like and i think that that helped you get a little faster, you know, kind of recovery because you weren't dealing with me dealing with you. And that was why I wanted to talk to Jim about like, you know, what kind of things do you think like how family should be? Because I know every day I text you and I'm like, <laughs> hey, babe. and like, it's just, I don't know how, how else to phrase it. So maybe we need to come up with like a weird, stupid question that like means it without saying it, you know, mm. but it's just like, I'm just like, Hey, how's it going today? Like, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, it's so, like, I try to word things, not like, how are you feeling? But, like, I'm asking how you're feeling, but it's like, because. How about we just do it in emojis? You send me a little picture of a nurse. I'll send you back either a green face, 
like a smile <laughs> or a smiley face and you can be like, or oh, a, my God. Or a black heart. <laughs> it's a mushroom cloud today. What the hell is this? He's in the nuclear option. So, see, it's like, you know, you just find what works for you. And that's kind of like what we're doing. Like, we're trying to navigate through this together. Right. You know, while... I'm never going to know what you're going through. And, you know, I'm Good sorry for, you. for that. Um, yeah, be sorry for that. I'm because kind of upset that you're not able to go through this right now. That's. <laughs> I wish everybody got a little little taste a of little it. A little potsy in them. Yeah, a little potsy <laughs> in them. God forbid. No way, man. Richie would be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, at least nobody was Ralph Malf. At least there's nothing named after Ralph Malf yet. And watch, I'll probably catch something that. Like, we're going to call this the Ralph Malf strain of whatever. Whatever it is. <laughs> Those gingers. Good Lord. So. So, I mean, you know, I think it was a really good conversation with Tim. Like, I really enjoyed talking to him. I feel like we got, like, some really good insight. And it is, like you said, it was nice to hear kind of how somebody else is navigating through something that they're facing and learning to live with. And I think he made a lot of really good points. You Absolutely. Know? And I just, whether it's, you know, going to a Mayo Clinic or the Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins, or, you know, like the Ecuadorian shaman, you know, like... Find something that works for you. That's the point of this is don't be afraid to say, I have this. I need help dealing with this. Or, you know, just find something that works for you and helps you normalize what you're going through. Because I think that's the most important thing is just find those footholds when you're climbing that mountain of whatever it is that you're facing. Yeah. And, and, uh... The worst, I, the baddest I feel for him is that they don't have a name for it. Remember right. before when they knew what was wrong with me and they just didn't have any clue. Right, yeah. Like when It we was the scariest time. It was so scary because it was like, is he dying? Does he have this disease? Like, is this, like, that was our, that was our biggest concern was that it was life threatening. Right. And when you came back into the hotel room in Rochester, Minnesota, after you got home from the Mayo Clinic that day and you were like, it's this. And then you were like, it's this, this, and this, and this is blah, blah, blah. And you went through like all of these things and we went through the paperwork and pamphlets and all this stuff. And it was like, holy shit. We were like so happy. So happy to have a lifelong disease so that happy. isn't going to kill me. So now I'm kind of like, this... wish it was something a little bit quicker. Stop it. God forbid. <laughs> mm hmm. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> What the hell are you doing? You're giving me singles like we're in a football game right now. What was that? I was asking how we are on time. Oh, we're perfect on time. We're always perfect. Well, we're not always perfect. So, but. having said that then, you know, we just wanted to thank Jim for coming on the show. Um, Again, he works for Remedy Health Media, which is RemedyHealthMedia.com. And I just really enjoy talking to you and getting, you know, kind of how you walk through this life. And I really appreciate the insight. Yes, Jim. Thank you for being both of our therapists for this week's show <laughs> seriously it really it really does help hearing other people's stories and i don't think just for me but also for nikki as well as somebody hearing it from somebody else as opposed to just you know the same person over and over again these this is what you can expect in life and blah 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 having somebody else say that to us sometimes is clear because it's not the same person all the time right, so right because you know, the good. families the families need some you know they need a shelter from the storm too Absolutely. And you provided that. So thank you very much, Jim. <laughs> and uh, 
I guess thank you to our listeners too. I don't know what you did this week, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure you did some good in your own way out there. If you, you made it, slackers. If you made it this far into our show, well, thank you for that. <laughs> um, if you would like to learn more about the High Regard Show, check us out at highregardshow.com, and you can always email us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could find us on all social media as High Regard Show. And of course, don't forget to follow our rescue pit bull slash studio manager Kona, who you might have heard earlier in the show making some noises she always has to do in the studio. <laughs> she can be found on all social media as the Kona persona because she is quite the persona. Yes. And again, thank you, Jim. Thank you for having us last night, Felicity. And if you haven't checked it out yet, go on Facebook and check out our Tommy Chong like yes. interview that we did for 420, um, which was this little animation, kind of cool. Kind of cool that some guy named Tom did, and it was it's super cute. I look super cute in it. It is. <laughs> There's a little special appearance by Montel Williams, but he don't know it. All except, right, except that he doesn't know it because it's Steve Harvey. <laughs> 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 and that's this week's show, everybody. God damn it. <laughs>